in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, uh, let's go there for a second or for a moment. In this chapter, Paul writes, or in this passage, Paul writes about those who have a veil um, over them and cannot see what he calls the greater glory and this greater glory of the new covenant. And he's referring to those at that time who would go to the synagogues, uh, who listened to the commands and the laws of the Lord being read, and yet still held on to the old covenant, the Old Testament covenant. They held on to the lesser glory without seeing and without experiencing the full glory that was in Jesus. In verse 10, he says, For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And Paul outlines that, that sadly there are still those who have not experienced this greater glory or this surpassing glory that is now available to them in Jesus and instead they are holding on to the past. Assuming that the old covenant is as good as it gets. It says it's the best they can have. He goes on to say in verse 16 and 17, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The veil has been taken away, and now the greater glory can be seen. This is Christ and offering us freedom. And in Christ, we have this freedom, and we can experience this freedom. And we are in the process of being transformed into Christ's image, which means that we are experiencing ever-creasing glory. Now, I want to start here today. Maybe it seems kind of random to just go straight into it like this, but I want to start here today because I need us to understand and I need us to consider whether it's possible that some here today are wondering or are considering whether our woundedness, our brokenness, and whether we're looking at those things through the lens of this veil, thinking that this is as good as it gets. And when you consider your wounds, and when you consider your hurts, and when you consider your past, and when you're considering the things that are in your life, and, and you're able to function, and you're able to, to move, and you're able to do things, and maybe in your mind there's a veil in front of you that says, this is as good as your life will be where you are right now. See, it's easy sometimes to find ourselves feeling that things cannot get better than this. That nothing will change. That somehow these are the cards that we've been dealt, and so therefore, we just got to live with it. And using this passage, I want to cause us today to think for a moment that maybe there's a veil that needs to be removed. And like these people in the New Testament, they were not able to see the greater glory, the freedom that was in Jesus. They were holding on to something in the past. See, we can become so familiar with our past, 
even with our brokenness or in our brokenness and in our pain, that it appears to be easier to stay where we are than to move forward. And so I want to challenge you today as we go into this topic that we would truly consider whether or not we have experienced the fullness of Jesus' freedom that he gives us in all the areas of our lives. The passage that we're using as our theme passage for this um, series is found in Isaiah chapter 61. So flip there if you want. It's going to be on the screen. It should also be on your Bible app if you're using that. Isaiah chapter 61, 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness uh, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the venge vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Let's take a moment and let's pull some key words out of this passage. These are some of the key words that we can find in this passage. And, and I want you to th see these as true for you. Bind up the brokenhearted. Freedom for the captives. Release from darkness, comfort for all who mourn. Bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Oil of joy instead of mourning. Garments of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Called an oak of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Each of these can be true for you and I. And they're not just something that was written Back then, we said last week, and if you haven't watched last week's sermon, I would encourage you to watch it. Jesus quoted Isaiah 61 in his very first sermon. And he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in you. So now we know that in Jesus we are and we receive all of these promises that are mentioned in Isaiah 61. So as we go through this series, do not lose sight of the glory of Jesus, of the splendor of Jesus. And know that that greater glory is available to every single one of us. So as we dive in today, I'm going to talk about some things that are difficult again. And so I want to again just throw out a disclaimer. Recognizing that this topic may trigger, for some of you, memories, events. And my job and my goal is to go through this material carefully. It's, it's definitely not my, my goal to trigger, to get just a, an emotional response. But I want to challenge you that if, if during this time, if something is triggered, that you would stay after, and that you would allow us to pray with you and to walk with you. We want to look today at memories. Dr. Meg Meeker, in her book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, she makes this statement she sing, says, a single statement can impact a life. This impact can be both negative and positive. 
But the reality is that we remember these kinds of statements in our lives. You, you may right now remember something someone said to you 30 years ago, 15 years ago, 5 years ago, 2 weeks ago. And that statement is impossible, it feels, to forget. I want to tell you a quick story about my grade 5 teacher. This is not a positive story. My grade 5 teacher... Just new to Canada, didn't know the language that well, struggling like crazy, and I was no fun to teach. <laughs> Add that all together. She was frustrated one day, and she said this to me, you will never amount to anything. Boy, was she wrong. That's all I'll say about that. I've been wanting... I've been wanting sometimes to find her and say... Ta-da. But there were times in my life, you need to know this, where I thought she was right. I have always struggled academically, and you throw dyslexia into the mix, and it's been difficult sometimes in the area of academia. I have always gone to special ed classes in grade school and high school. I finally graduated high school, and every teacher was glad to see me go. And when I graduated high school, I was sure that my days of schooling were behind me. I would never set foot in an institution again. And then God called me to Bible college. And so I went to Bible college, and then the very first thing that I experienced in Bible college, which was a complete shock to me, was that I had to write an English equivalency test to prove that my English was at a college level. It was not. I failed that test. Not once, twice, and then I was told, if you fail a third time, we have no choice but to send you home. Bible college, golly. Here I was, I wanted to learn about Jesus. I wanted to be pre prepare myself to do ministry. And I'm told that I'm not good enough. And my teacher's words rang true in my heart, in my head. I remember calling home. I was 21 years old, but I may as well have been 12 because that's how badly I needed my family. And I called home, and if not for the support of my parents and my family, I think I would have believed my teacher, and I would have packed up, and I would have gone home. Then, long story short, I passed the test, obviously, one day, one of my fellow students or one of my fellow classmates wanted to borrow my notes to catch up on theirs because they had missed the class. And I remember the embarrassment of handing my notes to them, knowing they would see the spelling mistakes and the grammar mistakes. And it killed me. I was so embarrassed. And then one day came the big day. I met a Maria. My Maria. <laughs> she offered me some help. She's going to help me rework a, a, a paper that I had failed. As a matter of fact, I hadn't even failed it. The professor gave it back to me and said, your grammar is so poor, Ike, that I would fail you just based on that. So you need to rework this so I can make sense of this. Long story short, my wife, now wife, helped me work through 
this, this document and suddenly my grades started to improve and my confidence started to improve and over time, not only graduated college, over time I had confidence to go to seminary and work towards my master's and now I am pursuing my doctorate. Yeah. There's a lot of self-patting on the back here today. I want to make a point, though. Why, to this day, does that teacher's voice sometimes ring in my ears? Because some statements are that painful. And so we want to look today at memories. And we're going to go overtime. And the kids downstairs are going to be all right. But we're going to go a little overtime. I'm already seeing it. I want to talk to us today about three types of memories, and these are found by a man, uh, or, or outlined by a man named Dr., um, oh, I'm going to say Shatter, and he's a Harvard University professor, and he says this, there are semantic memories, and these are the, the pieces of information, facts, and sequences that we just, we just, after a while, remember. Two times two, or two plus two, sorry, two plus two is four. Nobody needs to tell you that. You just know that. There are other facts, like your phone number, directions to a certain gas station, who your favorite pastor is, Ike Unger. Of course, you, these are facts that you just know. No one needs to remind you. These are semantic memories. Steps to making mac and cheese. Not too much thought needs to go into it. They are stored primarily in our left brain. Now, what's interesting about semantic memories is that they don't really engage our emotions. When I said 2 plus 2 equals 4, none of you got goosebumps. This isn't all that like, wow. It's, yeah, we know that. Then the second one is procedural memory. These are things that we learn to do consciously, but over time can engage without much conscious thought. Things like tying your shoes. Remember those days. Most of you don't. But if you have kids, now you do. It is painful watching a child learn to tie a shoe. It's very conscious. The concentration that goes into tying that knot. But now, I'm assuming most of you could do it almost on the fly. It doesn't take concentration anymore. At one time it did, but now procedural memory, you learn to do things. Muscle memory kicks in. You can just kind of do things without a whole lot of effort. We learn to do those procedures, and over time, we can do them without any thought. As with semantic memories, though, this memory does not engage your emotions. Maybe you learned to tie a tie, and the first time you did it, it took a lot of thought. Okay, a tie is a bad example because it always takes a lot of thought. But tying your shoes, we'll go back to that one. Riding a bicycle. My guess today is if you got yourself dressed, most of you were not all that emotionally moved by it. Your wife may have been and sent you back up to go change again. Some of you drove here today, and when you got here, you weren't like, oh my goodness, how did I do it? We look at some of you and we wonder how you did it. But that's different. You know, the procedural memories, you start to do things that at one time took a lot of conscious effort, but over time takes no effort. But the reality between both semantic and procedural memory is that they do not engage 
our emotions. The third memory is called episodic memory. Memories that impact our beliefs, feelings, and actions that grow out of experiences that we have. These memories can obviously be both positive and negative. Let me tell you a positive one. And I'm sorry, i got to mention tree planting again. But I finished tree planting, last year of tree planting, and I had this beautiful idea. I'm going to ask this girl, Maria, to be my wife. And so I'm driving back, and, and I stopped in in Edmonton, and someone had told me about a great place to go get a ring. And I, long story, I bought a ring, and, and I'm wearing it on my pinky as I'm driving back, and I cannot wait to meet my girlfriend and ask her to become my fiancé. And it's a long drive all the way from British Columbia to um, Manitoba where she lived. And on my drive to Manitoba, I put this ring, like I said, on my finger, and I'm envisioning our connection. I'm just longing to get there. The miles just seem to never end. And, and, you know, and as I got closer into the city, you know, you get a little nervous. Like, do I look okay? Does this big mop of hair of mine look all right? Do I have anything on my face? What am I going to say? And then you draw, drive into the driveway, and there she is waiting for me. How? I have no idea. We didn't have GPS back then, you know. But there she was waiting for me. And I can still see her. And then I got out of the car, and she's nervous, and I'm nervous, and we're awkward, and that's part of life. And I remember we just, like, ran at each other, like, movie, you know, just collided. And, <sighs> and I still, I talked to her about this. How do I make this not sound weird? But I can still feel her skin and her hug and her embrace. And we laughed together. I could still hear her laughter and her smile, scent, all of that. That, if I let myself go, is an episodic memory. And whoo, it still, still makes me feel fuzzy. It's beautiful. We talked. We hugged. I may have mentioned that already. We hugged multiple times. And we held hands. And, and we talked. And we laughed together. And... And I just knew, I just knew this was the girl I wanted to spend my life with. See, episodic memories have five ingredients. And I want you to picture these ingredients in a sense like if they're the storehouse of our memories. These, these are things that the house contains, these ingredients. So let me just, going from this positive episodic memory that I just shared about meeting Maria again... I wanted to just tell you about five of these. These, these five are first images. So I'll use that memory to, to talk about this. The, the image of her standing there, the image of us hugging, and the image of holding her. Episodic memories often have an image that comes to mind. It might be a person or a place. As the image comes to mind, you can remember them almost as if it were yesterday. I have a memory of, my, of Maria, my Maria. I have a memory of Maria, and I could tell you what she was wearing, and I don't have time. Brown shoes, brown pants, white over, you know, yeah, I can remember her glasses, because it's like, wow, episodic memories. So episodic memories have an image that comes to mind. They have sensation. These memories create a sensation, holding her. Feeling loved, hearing her laugh. They brought joy. And then there's 
feelings that come with that, feelings of joy, feelings of delight, feeling of belonging, feeling of comfort. I'm back together with this girl that I want to marry and spend the rest of my life with. Behavior. Episodic memories, they have behaviors as one of the ingredients, which caught, you know, things like, you know, us talking together. And maybe, like I mentioned already, the hugging, you know. I remember these things. These are behaviors that you remember walking around together, holding hands, giving each other our undivided attention, gazing into one another's eyes. And then lastly, episodic memories, one of the ingredients that they have is meaning. There's meaning to that memory. It's not just a formula of something. There's meanings to it. The meaning at that in this memory was that I was loved, that I had someone to love, that I wanted to spend the rest of my time with this person. Episodic memories have these five ingredients in them. Now, this episodic memory that I told you about reuniting with Maria is a very positive one. It breathes life into me. And I want to tell you a little, this is maybe a little weird, but Maria and I, we love doing this. We like actually telling each other memories, episodic memories that we have of one another and how we grew in our relationship. And sometimes it'd be like, remember when we went and did this, and remember when we were at this and this place, and when we tell those memories, it draws us together. Why? Because these are positive memories that engage our emotions, They remind us in times when maybe we're not as close together as we wish to be. They remind us of how it was and how we want it to be and how we want to build on that. They're not just semantic or procedural memories. No one had to write me a book on how to hold my girlfriend at that time. How to greet Maria. No one had to tell me those things. I wasn't, you know, looking at something like, you know what, why don't we practice this? Let's do this a hundred times so that we'll get the procedure down right, just in case sometime we haven't seen each other for a long time. I didn't learn about it from reading. I didn't, I experienced it. And by experiencing it, that memory is engraved in my heart and it brings about emotion to this day. Now, I shared with you a positive one. The first one I shared with you was a negative one. And I'm sure that all of you here have positive episodic memories. But the truth is, all of you also have negative episodic memories. Memories that deeply engage your emotion, and the emotion is extremely painful. When we experience wounding in the past, these wounds are stored primarily in our left brain, as pieces of information. They can engage us at many levels. They can engage us emotionally, intellectually, and physically. I know of people from the memories that they have are not able to function properly. These memories can create certain feelings in us. You may say that memories are, you know, they're from a long time ago and And shouldn't they be gone? But that's the difficulty with episodic memories. They feel as if though they were today. They create images. They create sensations, feelings, behaviors, and emotion, and meaning. And they are, as I said, as real today as the day when they happened. They can be so powerful that they can impact our view of ourselves, our view of others, and our view of God. I've talked to people who've told me things like, I don't sleep with the lights off. I must always face the door. I don't like people standing behind me. I don't sing out loud. I don't wear certain clothes. I struggle to trust men. 
especially men with authority. And the list goes on. See, when you dig into each of these statements, and when you dig into each of these individuals' lives, what you will almost always discover is that it is associated with a painful, episodic memory. And even years later, these memories still impact their behavior. You might look at this person and say, you're 50 years old, you mean to tell me you still don't turn the lights off? That memory is of an event, and it may as well have happened yesterday. That's how painful episodic memories can be and how powerful they can be. Susan Bryson, an author who focuses on helping women who have been sexually abused, she says this, when we have not resolved our past, it is the first thing we see when we look at our future or when we look to the future. When we have not received healing from our past, we look to our future with a certain prejudice, thinking that what has hurt us in the past is waiting to hurt us again. And this can be debilitating. These memories are so powerful that we cannot simply push them aside. We cannot simply tell ourselves that it's the past and, and so therefore we're going to leave it in the past. We can't do that because these memories create emotion, behavior, feelings, sensations, images that are visible almost to us today. They begin to impact. If, we're not found, if we do not find healing from them, they begin to impact our future. Remember the story I told you about my teacher? That was a negative episodic memory. And I cannot simply tell myself that it didn't hurt. I've tried that. And over the years, I can see the impact of her statement, especially in the area of academics. This doesn't mean that I don't still struggle with spelling, and so there's some truth to what was said. My grammar is not that great. I've been a pastor here for 23 years, and I can tell you one thing you've never seen me do. I've never had a whiteboard or a blackboard up here and written. Never, and never will. Am I stuck in the past? Maybe, but I'm going to spare you trying to figure out what is that. Um, Maria, my wife, still proofreads all my papers. And when I need to send an, especial, uh, an important or an official email from the church to someone, there's a staff member who pre proofreads that. So I want you to hear this. I cannot simply deny my weakness and say that's not true. And so now I'm going to try to make this person out to be a liar because I have to face my weakness. I have to accept the fact that I do have some weaknesses in my life. So I can't pretend that those weaknesses aren't there, but I will not be defined by those weaknesses. And that's how I will shut down that voice. Some of you have memories of what someone said to you. And maybe there was some truth to it. Maybe there was some confusion even with it. Maybe not. And that will make it that much more difficult because you bump into this every single time. You can't do anything right. You're not as good as so-and-so. And in your mind, you're like, yeah, in that area, I'm not as good as so-and-so. And you keep bumping into it, and that's going to make it that much more difficult to overcome. 
that memory. And this is why it's so important for us to have our identity in Jesus and not in our weaknesses or in our memories of what someone has said or done to us. Henry Nouwen, in one of his books, he wrote, If we do not deal with the evil behind us, we will evoke that same evil in front of us. The word evoke means to call forth, to bring to mind, to cause something to be remembered. And if we have not properly dealt with our negative episodic memories or unhealthy memories or painful memories, we begin to see the past and present in lieu of those memories. I was sent uh, some information this week by a woman by the name of Robin uh, Gobble. And she says it this way. Something that happened in the past helps create my experience in the now and then impacts how I'm going to behave in the future. You see a theme here. Multiple people are recognizing that if we do not properly heal from the pain of the past, those memories, those experiences in our lives, they leak into the present. And this can lead to a a kind of mixed messaging about God, about ourselves, and about people that we love that leads to emotional upheaval in ourselves. The person ends up not knowing where to turn. They, they begin to act out with dysfunctional behavior. And those behaviors can have a range of effects and can be played out in a range of ways. Whether people-pleasing, workaholism, perfectionism, laziness, painkillers, and a range of other addictions, suddenly that's the only way we can process and find our way through these memories. And those are not healthy And often, they bring much more pain. So why are we stuck? Why are we stuck in those episodic memories sometimes? I want to be really careful how I say this, and more importantly, I want you to understand how I say this. One mistake that I believe the church has made is that we, have only, that we only teach people what to believe about God. What to do and what not to do. And we have not taught people well enough how to engage with God episodically. Do you have memories of God that you can feel? Do you have memories with God that bring emotion? That create an image? A sensation. Many of us here today, we know God loves me. The Bible says so. You get warm and fuzzy when you think back to a time when you felt that love. There are many passages in Scripture that need to be experienced, not just read, not just memorized. We need to know that God loves us, but we must also practice experiencing that love. To be aware of his presence, not just know that he is present. And one of the places that we need to do this most is in the area of our woundedness. To invite God, to bring the healing presence of Jesus into our past episodically, experientially. This is not about gaining more information about God. But to engage Jesus, 
in that place of wounding. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus wants to set us free from our wounds, to set us free from the pain of our past and bring us on this journey towards healing. This must be done, like I said last week, intentionally. We want to explore this much more next week. But to close today, I want to encourage you that if you need, would you stay for a while? And I know we're running late and you got to get kids and you got stuff to do. But if you need, and if you can, would you stay for a while and, and spend some time with God in reflecting on where were you in that woundingness? How can I invite you into that memory? How can I bring you into that place of pain? How do I find healing? How do I move beyond just the memory being something that leads to brokenness and despair and pain and possibly um, destructive, dysfunctional behavior? This is a big, big um, thing for us to engage in. And many of us are maybe not even that comfortable with this, the idea of praying and asking Jesus. So I'll just really quickly walk you through how I've had to do this with my teacher. I tell God that I'm aware of my weakness. And then at the same time, I tell God how grateful I am that he has still used me in spite of my weakness. So I recognize first and foremost my identity in Christ and the blessings that he's given me and the work that he has accomplished in me. And then I have to invite him into that statement. You will not amount to anything. And I have to tell God about how much that still hurts sometimes and about the damage that it's done and how I'm sometimes tempted to believe a lie. And we just sit there sometimes. And just in that moment, God, you heard, you heard what she said. You understand why she said it. You know how I felt. And you know how much it impacted me. And I just want to sit in that memory with you present. And you might be thinking, why would you want to go there? Because when Jesus is present, it gives a different perspective. It gives a different perspective. That memory is no longer a hopeless despair memory. That memory is now a memory of saying, yeah, maybe that's how she felt, but now Jesus has accomplished so much in me. I realize that some of your memories are not just words. Some of your memories are things that people have done that have left lasting impact. And I want to encourage you again. If you see that memory as only the brokenness that it was, this is why we need to invite Jesus into that space so that we see that memory with him present with us. Let's pray. So God, I pray that today, if some of us have a veil over us that keeps us from seeing the possibility that we would remove that veil. And that we would begin to see and hear words like freedom, healing in a new light. And I pray, God, that for those of us who have these painful memories, and they have shaped us, and they have 
They have heard us. I pray, Lord, that today people could begin a journey towards healing. I thank you so much, Jesus, that you bind the brokenhearted and that you bring healing to each one of us. I pray that we would be willing to go on this journey with you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, I want to just ask that if you plan on staying, feel free to stay. If you need to leave, um, please leave quietly, and God bless you.